Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Caring. Today we're going to be talking about Strength Coach Chronicles reliability. This is a really important topic. This is a very amazing character trait that strength conditioning coaches really exemplify. One of the things we open up with was, you know, a guarantee is someone will show up late, but it's probably not going to be a strength coach. How do we keep it that way? And why is it important that we keep it that way? If you haven't checked out our website or if you haven't seen, we have our book, Strength Deficit, Leveraging Eccentric versus Concentric Ratios. Great resource for anyone out there trying to understand how to implement a program that is peaking for either eccentric or concentric strength. On top of that, we have our course, Practical Guide to Strength Deficit. This is your companion guide to the book. This will help you apply it in your setting. We'll go a little bit more detail on certain things like models, going through the background underlying testing and physiology and biomechanics, and then I'll actually get to the program and practical. This is a great course. It's 21 lectures. It's got a lot of content on there for you to dive into, and hopefully it just does a great, great job of explaining what we try to get through in the book. Lastly, PH curriculum. This is an advanced strength conditioning curriculum. This is something that you can have in your back pocket as a models-based approach, something that you can constantly refer to, something that you can constantly see, and it's growing. We're adding modules every month. We're adding content to those things every single month. There is a lot of value that's yet to be had, and it's only and it's still got a ton of value right now. PH curriculum, this is a great resource for any strength conditioning coach out there. Lastly, realize.me. This is your command center for all health and wellness performance, your dashboard for you and your clients or athletes to really make a meaningful impact. Not only can you create a great intervention, you can see the value of that intervention. You can sequester labs. You can sync all of your wearables. You can get every bit of your information sourced to one platform. And then from there, say, yes, it was really effective. And now I have an opportunity to make a better program because I know what went well and what went bad. Realize.me, your command center for all health and wellness performance. Highly recommend it. All right, guys, let's get into the Strength Coach Chronicles reliability. So we're coming back up on Strength Coach Chronicles. This one we're going to be talking about reliability. Reliability is something that as I look through my career, as I look through all of the countless employers, as well as now the countless employees, you, know, you think about this is the foundational bedrock to any trusting relationship. Imagine any kind of plan you do, right? Periodization, get into the nitty gritty, go into different logistics, like you're a big day of training session person. And when you program, you're thinking, this is the best program I could possibly write for the athletes I have, the setting I'm in, and the staff I have. Now, the one thing that we could say is probably universally true, regardless of where you're at, is athletes will more than likely show up late or show up, not show up at all from time to time. It happens. It happens all the time. You're just playing the law of averages here, right? You're looking at it from the context of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of athletes coming through your doors every single day. There's probably going to be at least one who shows up late or misses. This is a extremely predictable thing. However, on the other hand, for a strength conditioning coach, 
to show up late or miss is incredibly uncommon, at least from my experience. It happens. It happens sometimes. It happens very infrequently, but it does happen. So when you're evaluating, one of the most important things that we could do it's potentially being on time or being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And we'll elaborate on that. But I got to go start all the way back up to that periodization plan. Because when you look at a periodization plan, any plan, any program is only as good as your ability to execute on it. That, in a sense, comes to rate limiting step. So if I'm looking at, hey, I really want to do this strength deficit program. You're only going to be good as your ability to execute that program. And you might look at it from, I may not have all of the prerequisite equipment to be able to do this effectively. You know, I might come up short in terms of developing eccentric or concentric ability. That could be a reason why not to do it. It might mean I just need to work on my imagination. I need to get creative and outside the box and think about this from a new perspective. It might mean trying to convince and coerce your staff. It might mean, hey, I want to look at my athletes and tell them this is really important and I'm uncomfortable doing that because we've been doing it in such a way for so long. I'll tell you what's not on your mind is, God, I hope week three, Tuesday, 5 a.m., we're setting up and one of my assistants who's responsible for either several racks or a couple stations is not here. And maybe we're doing something really intricate and we're doing something that takes a lot of ability and expertise. You see, this goes into another element that I think is really, I don't know, alarming, but I make it analogous to looking at the self-checkout line and cashiers. You ever go to Target, you ever go to any kind of major grocer, there is a self-checkout line. And you know what? I'm sure that is frustrating from a cashier's perspective who maybe like maybe that's what they want for their career maybe they don't I don't know but they're looking at those essentially autonomous machines doing their job for them their replacement is literally right there maybe maybe not I think as we've learned with automatic checkouts for the past I guess 15 years 20 years is that humans in a service-based industry are hard to replace. But you look at it from coaching, and I'm I'm sure most of our listeners out here are not really actively paying attention to the commercial fitness space, but you should. You absolutely should. It may not be the best interest to like completely get immersed in it, but I think there's some things that would be of interest to all of us especially me because I work a lot in the commercial fitness space with general populations. But there is a automatic checkout version of fitness. It's been around for a long time in home options. You know, you go back all the way to Typo, 
progress that P90X to now a stationary piece of equipment with video monitoring in front of it, Peloton. Then you can take it a step further where they've kind of repurposed that and added another element of done in a group environment. And the irony here is hysterical. But if you look at F45 or BodyFit, they put screens in front of their their customers. They have coaches present. But in reality, and this is this is I think probably some people consider my opinion, is the coach isn't absolutely necessary there. You have the monitor displaying the workout, demonstrating the workout, showing the sets and reps. Kind of makes that coach a little less needed. So let's say that you're doing a strength deficit program. It's week three of the program. And let's say that you're doing a very complicated day with a lot of technicality and a lot of things that could go wrong versus that F45 studio that's opening on the same day at the same time with roughly the same amount of people. In truth, the reliability of the person who needs to go to that college strength conditioning program that's executing on the strength deficit versus that F45 studio, maybe even down the road, has a lot of different parameters to think about in regards to their, their staff being on time. That the balance off of strength deficit-based program is going to be based off of that coach being there versus F45 if the more so if the power turns on, if the lights can turn on, if the monitor can turn on. And I think that creates an interesting thought experiment because if we aren't as reliable as we are, if we're not as willing and able to be what we are as what much we are, would we have what we have, which if you don't think we have a lot, we do. I know that kind of sounds like maybe a loaded loaded statement considering some of us are interning and some of us are making pennies on the dollar. Some of us are grinding 80-hour weeks with nothing, with no light to show for it, nothing to come out of it. I get it. But if you put it in perspective, even if you're making $40,000 a year, which in some way, shape, or form is enough to live, facilitate the quality of life most of us want, you know, I'm sure most of, especially the people listening to this, don't need a whole lot. Um, be nice to have nice things and have nice to be able to go nice places. But in truth, we get a lot of those things through work, right? We get a lot of nice swag. We get a lot of nice trips. So like the nice things for us are relatively speaking. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking firsthand about this. But the truth is, in regards to what we are as an industry, you know, we're a big, they don't care what you know until they know how much you care type of entity. You know, we've always hung our hat on that one. We've always been the champion of, I'm willing to do what's necessary for the job to get done. And a big part of that is because we're so reliable. We're so reliable. We're so available. We're so willing. And I don't know. I don't know if that we look forward towards the future and saying that they can automate us. They can eventually make us obsolete. And don't get it twisted. There's a lot of coaches out there that you're working with 
sport coaches that do workouts in these offsite facilities who have this thought in their mind. I guarantee there is a coach, you're just playing, I'm playing the odds here, at the Division I level working with a sports team that's going to F45 five days a week. I guarantee it. You don't think that has an influence on them to go, why can't we just get a screen and monitor up here and save 70K a year? Or why why would I want the inconvenience of having to send them all the way to the weight room at a very specific time around football schedule when I can just have them go through this workout? It's great. I feel great. I love the environment. I love the energy. I love the juice. Workouts are phenomenal. What really is the difference? I don't even understand what they say they're doing. And you're on the battle lines of protecting and preserving what we've worked so hard to build. And I get it. When you're in the you're in the trenches, you're not seeing that far down the road and you're not seeing the bigger picture. But I'll tell you this, we are hanging in the balance. Every day we every day we decide to come into work. And when we look at the other end of oh man, I've just pressed snooze too many times or I slept I stayed up too late last night or I just you know what screw it like I want to live without consequence here. You know, I want to be able to do the things that I want to do and not feel guilty about it constantly. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that we can ever, ever be. You know, I had, I had, I work in the general pop space now and, you know, we have, we have some amazing coaches that have helped, that have come through our facilities and it's always an interesting story as to why. And, you know, some are on their upstart. Some have just got, don't like what they're doing in their setting. Some just resonate way more with this. I know I have. And I'm going to be very transparent on this. I really enjoy working with general populations. I'm just going to be able to say it. I don't understand why everyone just myopically focused on working with elite level populations. Like, I, have you worked with them? Have you worked with a lot of them? Like, I don't get it. Like, I I just don't get it anymore. Maybe I'm just, and I'm not cynical. I still love a lot of athletes I worked with. And I still have a really good relationship. They're a couple more business partners. But the truth is, it's like, I mean, Jet Pop is sweet, man. They're more mature. They're more responsible. They They listen better. They communicate better. They appreciate more. You can have more direct value to them. Like, if I have this, like, why of, like, systemically want to change the fitness industry and want to help. I want to help. Who's going to have a bigger net impact than Gen Pop? I don't know. I just end rant, but like you're thinking about them. And like, I think about them all the time in regards to their circumstances. And they made the choice to come to one of my businesses and if you look at every one of them, there's a stone throw away from five to 10 gyms that are all seemingly doing well. And it may be easier to understand. It may be a little bit more approachable. But on the other end, we got them and they believe in us and they're coming in every single day. It's really important that I come in every single day. It's really important that my staff comes in every single day. It's really important that we are what we're supposed to be for them. And when I think about 
that college experience and I think about the staff I've had and I think about why I hired them and I think about why they made such an impact. It's because of their consistency. It's because of who they are and what and the values they have and the pride they have in their job. You know, I I look at the people that I was able to hire over the years and everyone's always like, wow, you had really good staffs. I mean, I'm, I'm not humble brag here and this is hopefully not something that's an indirect compliment to myself but I had some really good staffs and one of the things that I think I was ever really do was utilize a internship program and create a Rolodex of coaches if anyone was willing to volunteer I would probably take them but one of the things that I was very keen on is I'm going to find out whether you really want to do this or not in a very short period of time and I'm going to do you the favor of saying, I don't want you to work for free if you don't want to be here. Let's not, let's not have any misguided aspect of this. I'm looking for dogs. I'm looking for people who want to come to work and bust their ass every single day. And if I see that you don't have that in you, and if I see you have a little bit of poor resolve, I'm probably either going to tell you directly Hey, I think you need to find that thing you're willing to get up for at four in the morning, five days in a row for eight weeks in a row. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it exists. But I think you need to find whatever that is because this ain't it. Or on the other end, hey, I really think you could be special. And I think you could really become a great coach. The only thing holding you back is you. You're preoccupied with trivial, meaning seemingly insignificant things. Focus on what's important, what's in front of you, and what's your why. And if they handle that, if it can take that, I know when it comes down to it, push comes to shove, that when I get to that week three of a training program in the offseason, I'm implementing a new program on strength deficit, and I've already met with my staff several times, and I've gone through all the potential logistics that we need to implement, and we get to that Tuesday, and it's 5 a.m., and we're setting up. I'm not worried about my staff being there. In fact, I'm not worried about that whatsoever. I'm worried about the transition time between station one and station two. I'm worried about the transition time from outside to inside. I'm worried about making sure the trainers know where where all of our stations need to be. I'm worried about that stuff. I'm not worried about my staff because I vetted them. And some of them have different backgrounds, different philosophies. I don't care. Some of them are male or female. Some of them are experienced, inexperienced. Some of them are savants in certain areas some of them are really green in other areas it doesn't matter to me probably the most universal thing is great resolve and great incredible reliability and i don't think those things are mutually exclusive i think they have a lot of a lot of interdependence and and let's let's be real about this no one's sitting there saying that 5 a.m five days in a row is easy no one's saying that nor should they no one's sitting there saying, oh, you're you're doing something really special. Like, honestly, can I be direct about you? I get really, really disenfranchised when I hear these motivational gurus talk about waking up early every single day. If I didn't have to, I wouldn't. And I'll feel bad about that because I've done it. I still do it. 
But it doesn't change the fact that I got I committed to doing a job and I want to do a great job as is because people depend on that and people need that. And I'm easily replaceable. Every job I've left that I did a great job at, mind you, has replaced me. Every job that I left that I did a great job at has replaced me. Think about that. Everybody's replaceable. The question is, is how replaceable are we? And the truth of it is, it depends on probably, probably some subjective stuff like, oh, you know, like the enthusiasm you have or the general overall demeanor. Are you more positive than negative? Do people like you? All those things make you more indispensable in people's minds. I'm going to really miss that person. But on the other end, objectively, if you're a rock and you're always where you need to be when you need to be there, and notice how I'm saying this in a way that doesn't turn into George Costanza being with his car outside. I don't think you need to burn the midnight oil and be there and get the Lifetime Achievement Award and most hours accrued. I just think you need to be extremely reliable to being where you're supposed to be when you need to be there. And there's a difference there. I find inefficiency deplorable. I find people that don't have a really good bandwidth to get their job done in a meaningfully significant, in an efficient enough time are lazy I do I find that's the other end of reliability just ineptitude and complete and utter disorganization like be on time but get the job done and don't worry about staying longer than you have to because if you're on time you're not feeling bad about being somewhere longer right like that's usually the way that goes it's the folks that tell me they're not a morning person but they'll stay till 3am doing nothing playing snood you guys remember that game? Like I, I, I'm like, well, why are you telling me you were here till 3 a.m.? What were you possibly doing? I don't care. It seems like a you problem. It doesn't seem like you need to share that with me. It seems like if you want to share with someone that you were here at 3 a.m., it's probably someone else that was late or not really good at being early or being on time or being where they need to be. Have that person go, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe you're that dedicated. And trust me, being on time is not viewed the same way as someone being inefficient and being here longer. But I'll tell you this, when it comes down to it, your athletes know and your clients appreciate it. Because they're paying you with either rendered service or time. And either are really invaluable. They're giving you effort or they're giving you money. And what, regardless of that, if they're willing to give you either of those, which is invaluable, you have to start to look at this from the context, I need to at least be on time. I need to at least be dependable. You know, we had a, a Trojan way when I was at USC. Show up early, ready, start fast, compete with heart and balls, finish with your start, make no excuses, tell the truth, be on time. We are SC, fight on. And when you think about that, a lot of that really tied into showing up, be on time, make no excuses, right? One of the really big tells we always tell our athletes wherever I was at is a reasons before and excuses after. Think about that line. This is something I got from my boss at SE at AA. 
a reason as before, so I know I'm not going to be able to be there on time, but I'm going to give very clear notice on that and excuses after. And it came up with actually an intern that I had to let go. He was extremely floored by the fact that we wanted to move on from someone that didn't want to do it. It was very obvious, but his punctuality was a problem. And I think he was generally not interested in being there. He just didn't have the, the heart to say it. And when it came down to it, he was very critical of others saying, well, such and such was late, such and such was late. It was like, how do you know they weren't giving justifiable reasons? It's like, well, what's the difference? It's the reasons before. A reason is they know they can't be on time, so they're telling their supervisor or the per- other people, hey, on this day, I have other obligations. You know, family, personal reasons. These are all legitimate things, and it's not, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be negatively judged for that, because that's still responsible. Hey, I have a doctor's appointment, or hey, my son's being born. I don't think anyone's gonna sit there and say like, oh man, you're really letting us down. But on the other end, it's when you just decide to arbitrarily not say anything and you're coming back retroactively of like, oh man, a lot of stuff was just happening. I just got, I just couldn't make it on time. That seems like an excuse. That seems like a illegitimate aspect of why you couldn't be on time. I'm thinking bigger picture and I'm thinking looking at this 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road. And I'm thinking about how much Tolerance where our clients, athletes, and staff have of us if we're unreliable. And I, I don't think this is a something a strength conditioning problem. I just think it's amplified because we have such gnarly schedules and we have such redundancy to our schedules and we have such high volume of hours. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to tell you this directly. I've been in so, multiple jobs where I had to take the highway in And there's always this merger right before I get off my on-ramp. In Atlanta, it was 85-95. In LA, it was a 101-110 or the 105-110. In, well, not necessarily New York, but because I live right on post. But you could always go straight and you could always take that road somewhere. And I tell you this, you're looking at it and like you're drinking your coffee and you're driving into work and you're getting off your exit ramp, but there's another merge over there and you're going, I wonder where that would take me. I wonder, I wonder where that would go, what that would look like. When I would look up and see the sunrise for the first time because I'm out inside a weight room all day. I wonder what that would be like. And you're thinking, well, what would I be when I get there? What would that look, what would that, what would that change be? You know, enter the, the enter the world of normal people that talk about 9 a.m. and so start time to day, like, and still struggle to make it on time. You know, the, the procrastinators of the world and hearing them complain and, and talk about how hard it is to get there at 8 a.m. on certain days because they got a lot of work to do. I don't know. I, I don't know what that'd be like. And then you think, like, well, is the grass is greener. Like, I'm looking down, I'm like, man, I'm in t-shirt and shorts. And I'm hanging out with athletes all day. And I'm hanging out with some of my best friends in the entire world. People that I've been in their weddings and people that I will call on when I need still to this day. 
And I'm looking at it from the, I don't know if it's that bad if I'm up 5 a.m. anymore. I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I don't know if I should be that overly critical of my job because I knew what I signed up for. I knew that was going to be it. My internship told me that. My first 10 years of the job told me that. You condition yourself. You know what your tolerance is, and that's it's high now. But I think when we look through this, and I've kind of went in a bunch of different directions, the truth of the matter is, no matter how much way you, you how many ways you want to cut it, if you're not on time, you're not valuable. If you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, you're not valuable. And if we can make that a consistency, if we make that something that's commonplace, we're going to get replaced. And you got to ask yourself, you got to really legitimately ask yourself, and this is something important now, anything that we are existing is considered a commercial for-profit business. Athletic departments, professional sports organizations, private businesses is for-profit. We bring a lot of intangibles. We bring a lot of value. But the truth of the matter is, there are entities out there that have an automated version of us that some people don't understand the relative difference in value. But I would say this, it's really hard to get rid of someone that is a absolute stud in terms of being everywhere they need to be. Because they're gonna subject, they're gonna question the subjective. They can't question the objective. It's a hard thing to do to let say be critical of someone who's at work three hours before you every single day. It is. It's a hard thing to do to question that person that is such a rock that they go, well, you know, death taxes and Tim being in the weight room. That is the dynamic that we present. And I'm not sitting there saying that that's our only value. I'm just saying that's a really hard value to argue with. And if you're a young coach and you're trying to make your headway and you're trying to make any kind of meaningful impact, you have the easiest thing to do is show up and be on time. Show up and be on time. It's so easy. Be available. Be there. Because I don't care about your knowledge or insight because it's, it's seeming, it's meaningless to me. It really is. Your lack of experience and depth in the subject is really small. But what you can do is show me, hey, there's things that we're doing on a daily basis that suck. I don't like doing this. The only reason you know that is because you're there. Like, can we not superset trap bar deadlifts and dips? It's a pain in the ass and it's a shit show. I'm going to take that from somebody who's there five days a week, setting it up and breaking it down every day over the person that's late. Hey, man, why don't you worry about finding a better alarm clock before you start to criticize the program? That's what I'm going to say to you. You live in a glass house, you better be willing to take a stone. 
So if you want my, if you want to solicit my, my interest and have me engage with you and think of me, think of you as valuable and con- contribute, be on time. Be on time and be where you're supposed to be. Be reliable. That will be something as you start to traverse this career and push through and get to the other side. Being a rock, and there's a everyone's got a timeline here. Everyone does. That's okay. Don't worry about don't worry about I feel like I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Nor should you. That's okay. You shouldn't beat yourself up over that. But you understand when you commit to doing something, you commit to doing it all the way through. Whether it's an internship, an assistant strength coach job, or a head strength coach job. And if you get these little responsibilities that you may think, eh, whatever, it's not really that big of a deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal because you're in front of athletes that someone trusted you to do that. From the hiring process to the delegation process to the actual execution process, you are an indispensable asset that is really valuable on the contingency that you're there and you're there on time and you're there engaged with the activity. That's really it. Because otherwise it could put a monitor up on the screen and seemingly do the same job that you're doing and be that cashier looking at your replacement in front of you until you actually make this interaction with a customer and that customer saying, I'm always going to go to your line. I don't care if there's 10 people deep. I will never go to the self-checkout line because I just love the experience I come here. Maybe that's a little bit of a reach. You know what truth is? It's why not? Why not have that thought process? Why not have your manager go, every single time we have a shift, I call that person. I know they're going to be there. They're going to do a great job. You send me, I'll go type of mentality. It's an amazing thought. So I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying these. I hope uh, hope they're not getting too you know, preachy or too soapboxy. But you know, I just I feel like there's a lot of a lot of conversation to be had. If you're interested, we have our PH curriculum, which we have our whole coaching course. I think it's going to bring a lot of value to you, especially if you're resonating with these. I think these are hopefully a uh, a, a like a expose on the profession slash like you know a backlog of my experiences. But the coaching curriculum is definitely going to be a lot more, a lot more organized and a lot more direct to what you need. You know, it's a models-based approach, and I think as you start to work your way through those models, you really can start to understand, you know, how to be a really amazing coach by appreciating that there's fundamental truths, and there's things that you need rules you need to play by, and there's bigger picture stuff you need to work through. So, phpodcast.com. Become a member, get on that curriculum, and then ask any questions you want on our forum. It's an amazing resource. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys next week.